Jesus. Come on, Zion. Say war cry. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands and say glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God, Miss Denning, that I come up in a home where my daddy knew how to praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank God for all that he's doing today. Uh, give it unto the Spirit of the Lord and Dr. Murphy. Amen. In his absence, First Lady Murphy. Amen. Give them a warm applause. Amen. I thank God for them. <clears throat> praise God and this wonderful choir and congratulations to the seasoned saints. Amen. Don't they look good? Hallelujah. Come on. That's right. Give them a warm applause. Hallelujah. That's right. I am honored to be here this morning to preach the Word of God. My wife is preaching at our church. Amen. Uh, I thank God for a help meet. Well, every now and then I can get out and preach a little bit. <laughs> Hallelujah. But she's holding down the fort. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's an honor and pleasure to be here today. We're going to preach the Word. We're not going to be too long. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm just going to read verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Amen. When you get there, signify by saying amen. Praise the Lord. Let us all read and concert just that one verse. One, two, three, read. All right, y'all haven't gotten there yet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say, hold on, preacher. <laughs> amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Amen. It's a familiar scripture reading. I remember going to school and Bible school, and that was one of our theme scriptures. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to preach and teach. Amen. Everybody there yet? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Are we ready? One, two, three, read. We're going to do that again. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name let us all say amen. You may be seated. The subject of this sermon today simply says, I know the Bible is right. Look at your friend next to you and say, friend, I know that the Bible is right. Let's say it with conviction now. Say it again. Say, friend, I know that the Bible is right. One more time. One more time. Say, friend, I know without a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is right. Now slap my high five and clap your hands and then say glory. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 And amen. In Bible school, I want to open up with two words. In Bible school, we, they taught us in homiletics class. Amen. And we had to study and learn the Word of God and understand how to really look at the Word of God and break down the Scriptures. There's two words that I just want to open up with is eisegesis and exegesis, amen? Two words that uh, they helped us in our Bible time and in articulating the Word of God. And the first word, eisegesis, is an interpretation especially of Scripture that expresses the interpreter's own ideas and biases rather than the meaning of the text. The word exegesis literally means to lead into, which means that the interpreter injects their own ideas into the text, making it mean whatever they want it to mean. Then there's the other word, exegesis, amen? Exegesis. Can you say exegesis? Exegesis is when a person interprets a text based solely on what the text says, amen? Uh, there, are, there are rules to proper exegetical interpretation. You must read the immediate context, related themes, and word definitions. This all plays a part in properly understanding what something says and does not say. Amen? 
Can I take my time this morning briefly? Amen. I just want to break this down. I want to make sure we understand this. Exegesis and eisegesis are two conflicting approaches in Bible study. Amen. Exegesis is the exposition or explaining of a text based on a careful objective process or analyzing of the word. The word exegesis literally means to lead out of. That means that the interpreter is led to his conclusion by following the biblical text, the bibliocentric text, the Bible text, amen, the word of God, the infallible, inerrant word of God. Can you say word of God? Amen. So, so, so the opposite approach to scripture interpretation is eisegetical, the eisegetical approach, which is the interpretation of a passage based on a subjective or non-analytical reading. Amen. That means that person will interpret the word of God based on their humanistic intellectual viewpoints that are not inspired by the word of God or by the spirit of God, but yet by intellect and reason and the way that man thinks and interprets the word based on his understanding. Amen. And so only exegesis does justice to the text. Eisegesis is a mishandling of the text and often leads to a misinterpretation. Can you say misinterpretation? Exegesis is concerned with discovering the true meaning of the text, respecting its grammar and well-formed sentences and a language is setting with the text. Eisegesis is concerned only with making a point even at the expense of the meaning of the words. And so in order to gratify oneself or one's reasoning or one's viewpoints, they will isogetically interpret the scripture, which is misinterpretation of the word of God. Can you say amen? And so the apostle Paul begins to write here. And how many of y'all know that we need to make sure that the word of God is taught from Genesis to Revelation based on the way God says it should be taught? Amen. And the Bible is right no matter what happens in today's day and time, no matter how technologically we become involved in what we do, but the technology should only undergird the word of God. It should not dictate the meaning of the word of God. Yes, times change. Yes, things move. But when I sat back and I look at when they played Mahalia Jackson's song and I saw our seasoned saints begin to give God praise, how many of y'all know that the anointing makes the difference? I don't care how educated, I don't care how intellectual you are, but if you don't have a relationship and if you're not anointed by God himself, you're just wasting time, a tingling brass, and a loud cymbal, making a bunch of noise. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it commands us to exegetically interpret the word of God. It commands us to use the methods. We must present ourselves to God as number one, one approved. Amen? How many of y'all know that in order to know the Word of God, you have to study the Word of God? Amen? And I'll say it again. In order to know the Word of God, you have to study the Word of God. Amen? So we must understand that God as one approved, God looks for a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Amen? How many of y'all know that we ought not be ashamed to rightly rightly divide the word of God. Amen? And that means that we have to be instant when? In season. Oh, I got a Bible quoting church with me today. I know Dr. Murphy's an awesome teacher and y'all learning. Praise God. Helping me preach. Amen? And that's the way it should be. So therefore, you have to learn how to proclaim that word even when they don't like it. And that's why I love to be around, and I spent time with my grandfather, Season Saints, and he always told the truth. I'll say it again. Granddaddy always told the truth. He didn't go to church a lot, but he knew church people. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there's been years that he's been here. He studied. He would always tell my mother and father, Pauline ain't a bit more thinking about you. Because he understood people. Amen. Look, somebody say, understand people. So an honest student of the Bible will exegete allowing the text to speak for itself. Can I take my time here? Amen. Eisegesis easily lends itself to error, 
as the would-be interpreter attempts to align the text with their own preconceived, preconceived notions. Amen? Exegesis allows us to agree with the Bible. Eisegesis seeks to force the Bible to agree with us. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's no way you're going to bend God's arm and put his arm behind his back and make him do what you want him to do. Huh? But the word of God never changes. It cuts like a what? Two-edged sword cuts going as well as coming. That means that if you are the one who's interpreting the scripture, it's going to deal with you first. How many of the word of God? God deals with us first. The enemy, enemy. <laughs> huh? The enemy, enemy. In other words, God deals with me first before he allows me to proclaim the word to you. And like my daddy used to always say, God's going to on you sooner or later. Uh, so we have a lot of people that are expounding on the things of God, but you just watch the way people walk. That tells the story. And that's what I like about my seniors. They love how to observe and examine how you're living. Am I right about the seasoned saints? Amen. Huh? Y'all can look at a person from head to toe and see if they're about something or not. You can let them know that that's oil and, and, and here comes water and the two don't what? They don't mix. Come on, clap your hands and say glory. So Timothy and those in the position of Timothy were to show themselves approved unto God by turning others over whom they possess influence from the pursuit of vain and unprofitable things. Then their work would be the work of a workman tested. Look, somebody say tested. Tested by trial and will be found to have stood the test. See, when God uses a believer, and this is one thing I want you to understand, it doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how young you are. What matters is that you make yourself available for the Lord. And so, therefore, I understand we get to a certain place in our life where we say, okay, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to retire. I'm going to relax. I remember my daddy said, my daddy preached all up, even on his deathbed, daddy was preaching. He said, I may retire from passion, but I'll never retire from preaching. And I remember Mama D, when I went to the hospital, I saw him, but we were singing the song, one of his favorite songs, Tis the Old Ship of Zion. And another song that says, I will trust in the Lord until I die. And I led the song and, and, and led the song in the hospital room there where Daddy was laying on the bed. And when I ended the song, Daddy rose up and started singing, I'm going to stay on. Right there, all the way to the end, Daddy was faithful. Somebody clap your hands and say faithful. Because he stood the test. He knew who was with him all of his days. 81 years, Daddy, was with, the Lord was with him. Amen. So now we get back to the word. It says the Greek word translated into the English version means rightly. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says rightly. They can rightly dividing the word of truth literally signifies cutting a straight line. Proverbs 3.6 says this. It says, in all your ways do what? Acknowledge him and he'll do what? He shall direct whose path? Come on, somebody say my path. But what you got to do is you got to acknowledge him. And see, when God, when you acknowledge God, there's a way in which he leads you that does not fall in sync with the way the world walks. It does not fall in sync with the way the world thinks. And so when you have experience and you've stood the test, you understand what the outcome's going to be because you know that God never changed. He's the same what? Yesterday, today. And forevermore. Look at somebody say, God's the same. He doesn't change. Circumstances and people change, but God never changes. Look at him. Come on, look, say it again. Circumstances and people change, but God never changes. Amen. And God's word doesn't change. Look at somebody say, God's word never changes. So rightly dividing the word of truth is, as it were, a road which is to be led out straightly and truly. See, when you acknowledge God, when you acknowledge him and you wait on him, a lot of times when you acknowledge God and you wait on God, there are times where God will tell you to hold up. God will tell you to sit back and be patient. 
And a lot of times, God will just allow things to pass you by. It's just like the rabbit and the turtle. I like that old story. Huh? The old turtle was moving along. And here comes the rabbit. And the rabbit, right on by the turtle. Amen? And the rabbit gets so far ahead of the turtle that he figures he can stop and take a rest. But see, the turtle kept on stepping. Like an old song, one step, one step. You take one step, he'll take or do the rest. Whatever, the rest. Come on, say somebody say, the rest. Y'all know what I'm trying to say, don't you? So the rabbit stopped and went to sleep, but the turtle kept on moving. And look at somebody and say, you may not move as fast as you used to, but look at somebody and say, I'm still moving. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm still holding on. So the rabbit went to sleep, and here comes the turtle, just moving, just kept on moving, never stopped. So the rabbit got confident, overly confident, and he got arrogant, and he went to sleep. And how many of y'all know that sometimes this generation is so advanced, so technologically sound, but they're not consistent in the inerrant and fallible Word of God. And so what happens is that they fall prey to every wind and every doctrine that comes their way. But the strong believer, the strong mother, the strong man of God who consistently, continuously prays keeps on chopping at the bit. And the first thing that they do is they come back to the church. They would even be willing to come back, as some of the sisters said, to the mourner's bench. <laughs> oh, I remember, I remember 911, 911, when things broke out, everybody, everybody went back to church. Come on now, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The church was full on that Sunday because trouble came their way. And see, at least we know where to go when we get in trouble. Look, somebody say, I know the Bible's right. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, it says, write it down, go back and read it later. Unlike so many, we do not peddle, or we do not peddle the word of God for profit. Uh-oh. I'm not here to tell you how you can get rich. I'm not here to tell you that you're going to get a big car. I'm not here to proffer lie to you. I'm not here to give you pathetic, prophetic utterances. I'm here to preach and teach the word of God. Even if you don't shout, I am been held responsible by God to teach the word of God. I found out in, 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 in years of preaching, Brother Axum. Is that one church I was going to way out in the country. I said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have myself a good time. I'm going to shout. I'm shouting my shoes off. Shout till I can't shout no more. Shout, get on my toes and break my toenails shouting so much. But the Lord convicted me. The Lord said, you're going up there trying to shout and those folks are looking at you. The reason why they're looking at you because you haven't taught them anything. See, when you teach the Word of God, then when you get to a place where you're excited, People will understand why you're so excited because they've been able to travel with you through your sermon and you've taught them some things that they understand. They can say, I got it. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm going to get up on the good foot and give God some praise. Now, I will shout and say glory because I understand what the preacher's talking about. All those Sundays when they bored me, when they just talked with me, but they were giving you the Word of God, breaking it down so you could understand the Word of God and what the preacher's talking about. Come on, somebody clap their hands and say glory. So Paul said, unlike so many, we do not peddle the Word of God for profit. On the contrary, can you say on the contrary? In Christ, we speak before God with what? Sincerity as those sent from God. My prayer is that God will continuously begin, and not that he hasn't been, but that people will recognize the sincerity of a true woman, a man of God, preaching and teaching the word of God before you. The Bible says, no, it's not I, but it's the what? Christ that lives within me. So in order to rightly divide or handle the word of truth, a right implies that it be done in six ways. Six ways. Of course, there are many ways, but there's six ways I'm going to talk about right now. 
Number one, first, with evidence and demonstration so as to convince the conscience, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit of God's power. In other words, when the Word of God is going forth, there is a demonstration, there should be a demonstration of the power and the move of the Holy Spirit that people are understanding. God is revealing, God is giving and bringing forth revelation and illumination and understanding that you are able to connect with what the preacher is talking about because that word is speaking to you and your situation. God is telling you what to do and how to do it. Number two, with sincerity and faithfulness, delivering the whole, look at somebody say the whole counsel of God. How many of y'all know we need the whole counsel of God? I'm going to tell you right now, sin is sin. I don't care what it is. There's no favor. Sin is sin. It doesn't, look, sin doesn't care, has no respect to person. Sin is sin. And we need to preach that sin is sin. And tell the truth in love. Yes, I know that God loves me. Yes, he does. But Paul talks about the love of God does what? He constrains us from doing sin so that we have no desire to do it. The problem is, is that people say, well, I'll go ahead and do this. Well, God loves me. But the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about sin. But at the same time, when God is really dealing with you, the love of Christ constrains you from wanting to curse a person out. Uh-oh. Constrains you. How many of y'all almost before? How many of y'all almost before? Oh, y'all don't hear me now. How many people have got on your last, like my dad used to say, your cotton-picking nerves? Ha! You had to get way down in there. To where you almost, look at somebody say, I almost. But because of God's power and his Holy Spirit, he reframed you from almost doing what the first thing that came to your mind to do. And that was, you fill in the blanks. <laughs> Come on, somebody clap their hands and say glory. Acts chapter 20, verse 27 says this. It says, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. In other words, we have to speak the whole truth. Nothing but the truth. So help me God. <laughs> And I wonder if those folks are really speaking the truth. Now, number three, the next one is with power and authority. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5 says this. It says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance as we know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. See, the Word of God knows our situation. God knows where to put that Word. He knows where to point that Word. How many of you know that the Word comes, like I said, it cuts two, like a two-edged sword. It cuts going, it cuts going and coming. Amen? How many of you know that the Word is coming down your street sooner or later? And God knows how to deal with you pertaining to His Word. Number four. Somebody say number four. God deals with us with wisdom and seasonableness. Amen? And seasonableness as men are able to bear it. Amen? How many of y'all know that God is concerned about where you are? And God wants to make sure that where you are, you understand what his word is speaking to or what his word is saying to you, how his word is interpreted to help you to get from a place of where you don't need to be to where you need to be in him. Amen? So John 16, verse 12. I'm giving some scriptures. I pray that you're writing these down because I want to make sure you got this before I leave. Amen? John. Chapter 16, verse 12, it says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. See, the first thing that we have to be as Bible teachers, as Bible believers, as Bible quoters, as those who share the Word of God, we have to be sensitive to where people are and sensitive to where people are not. We can't go and give folks that need milk meat. I'll say it again. We can't go to places and give folks meat and they're still drinking milk. 
You have to learn how to process them. I'm so tired of preachers talking about my people don't do this for me. My people don't do that for me. Well, it's a bad reflection on you, preacher. We have to labor with the folk. We have to take our time and break down the word of God to make sure our people understand and they're ready to move from milk to meat. Look somebody and say, I'm ready to move from milk to meat. But you got to teach me first. I got to learn. Look somebody and say, I got to learn. So what does that mean? That, 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 there's another challenge. Then that means that those of us that want to move from milk to meat, we got to come to Bible study. Uh-oh. Ah, uh, yeah. We've got to come to Bible study. We've got to come to prayer meeting. We've got to come to Sunday school. I heard a preacher say one time, it doesn't impress me when a whole lot of folks come to church anymore, but what impresses him is when folks come to Sunday school. <laughs> When pro folks come to prayer service, when folks come to prayer meeting, when folks come to Bible study, when your Bible study is packed, that's when you're doing something. Come on, somebody clap their hands and say glory. But, but, but you got to be sensitive. Look at somebody say, you got to be sensitive. We must be sensitive to the spiritual attention span of people. And that's one thing that God is teaching me, to be sensitive to where people are and where people are not. And don't be prideful and haughty-minded and say, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, you are misunderstanding where the people are, and you're missing God altogether. Come on, somebody clap their hands and say glory with me. Number five, let me move, let me move on. Number five, we have to be able to be teachers, and we have to expound on the Word of God with, number one, meekness. Look, somebody say meekness gentleness, love, and all winning suggestions. See, we have to learn how to have patience. See, we have so many impatient people that are in uh, 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 positions of influence that you do more damage than you do good. And see, our seasoned saints can set back and make a prediction. Oh, they ain't going to be here long. Oh, just keep on watching, Billy Joe. They ain't going to be here long. Just keep on watching. They're going to trip up and flip up, and next thing you know, they're going to be walking right on out the door. Keep them just watching. How many of y'all have seen them come and seen them go? Oh, come on, clap your hands. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've been in the church all my life, Mother Denny. I've seen them come. And I've seen them go, but I've learned how to pray for the people of God and give God praise that, number one, that the word goes forth. And whenever, whenever someone steps out of your life, God knows how to raise somebody else up to keep the word going. That's the, listen, listen, the true evidence of leadership, listen, the true evidence of leadership is when you're not there, the people that serve with you still function like you've never left. Come on, clap. That's true leadership. You should never build nothing around you. Because when you build around you, as soon as you kick the bucket, that work that you're doing is going to kick the bucket. People are going to rise up from all over the place and try to take that position. Number one, because you didn't prepare them, you didn't train them, you didn't get them ready for your departure. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. Where I am there, you may be also. But he said, I will send, somebody say, the comforter that will do what? Teach you. Teach you all things. Amen. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so I've learned that even though we are in an advanced technology and there's always somebody new on the block, there's always another church doing something else. But if the Bible is right, I am determined to preach the Bible. I am determined to stick with the Word of God. I am determined to proclaim the oracles of God's Word no matter what. Come H-E and two hockey sticks and high water. I wouldn't say it. I'm going to preach the Word of God. Look, somebody say, preach, preacher. So, 2 Timothy, let me get back to the Bible. 2 Timothy says, Chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, it says, The Lord's bondservant must be, not be, he must not be quarrelsome. Uh-oh. We got more. Look, I done been on conference calls. I done heard about more preachers talking about they ready to shoot somebody, ready to jack. I'm going to put it out there. Yes, I am. Ready to jack folks up, mad with their own church members, talking about it. But I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a story about, 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 about some preachers on the boat. 
And the preachers on the boat were sitting there. They was walking down. They was riding on the boat. They was fishing. And one preacher said, I have a confession to make. And they said, what is that, Doc? He said, I like to chase the women. Another preacher said, I got a confession to make. What's that, Doc? I like to drink the liquor. And the third preacher said, I got a confession to make. I can't keep a secret. I got to tell it wherever I go. Look at somebody. You will be careful how you tell that preacher all your personal business. Amen? Huh? You will be careful how you sit in there studying and tell him because you don't know. He may not or she may not be able to handle everything you tell him. And the next thing you know, they'll be running after you. Huh? Look, look at somebody and say, be careful who you talk to. Whatever happened to that song that said, just a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about my struggles. He'll hear my faintest cry. He will do what? Answer. I know a little prayer wheel's turning. I know a little fire's burning. Just let somebody say, just a little talk with Jesus. Makes things all right. Look at somebody say, God knows how to make it all right. So it must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all. Able to teach patient when wrong. Uh-oh, patient when wrong. How many of preachers, we, we, there are times when we just flat out wrong. We can be flat out wrong about how we deal with people, how we talk with people, how we react. When people ask questions, the saints should be able to ask questions. Huh? We should be able to ask questions. We should be able to have that dialogue where we're able to communicate and talk about the various things of God. Amen. See this. How many of y'all know that you can tell? doesn't matter how advanced a person is. You can look through a person. That's why I like hanging around seniors. Amen. They teach me how to understand people. See, listen here. Write this down. The greatest teacher is one who remains teachable. The greatest teacher is one who remains teachable. Be careful when you deal with folks that think they know everything. Can't tell them nothing. Think they know, yeah, you need to be discerning. Yes, you do. You need to be discerning of spirits, but you also need to be one who is a student and one who can be taught the Word of God. So therefore, must not be quarrelsome. Must be kind, must be able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Amen? So therefore, we must be at a place that when people are truly coming to the altar and repenting, we must be able to forgive them. Uh-oh. We got some unforgiving saints in the house of God. And let me tell you something. You don't get to 70 and live to 70 and be able to walk down the aisle if you haven't been able to forgive some people like this lady. This woman got up out her chair and walked down the aisle. We ought to give God praise for that. Come on, you ought to be shouting. I don't, don't worry about what other churches are doing. Focus on what God has called you to do, Zion. Don't worry about how they got billboards and all this other stuff going on at that church. You just focus on what God has blessed you with here at Greater Little Zion Baptist Church because there have been some great preachers that have come out of this church. There have been some great ministries that have branched off from this church. You ought to be giving God praise because that lets you know that there is greatness and Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. Then the next one is that we need to be able to operate with courage, uh-oh, and boldness. I like the Wizard of Oz, where they had that cowardly lion. And he was a big coward. He always talked about mm, courage. But he was lacking mm, what he was always talking about. But how many of y'all know that even though we're lacking, but if we keep talking about it, something's going to happen sooner or later. So if we keep speaking the word over our situation, look at somebody say, something's going to happen sooner or later. If we keep speaking that word and speaking those things that are not as though they were, keep speaking the word over our situation, look at somebody say, something's going to happen. If we keep speaking the word over our, the life of our children, we keep speaking the word, something's going to happen. If we keep speaking the word over our situation on our job, something's going to happen. If we keep speaking the word of God over our house situation, something's going to happen. 
If we keep speaking the word over our struggles, our personal struggles, something's going to happen. Look, somebody say, if I keep speaking the word of God, something's going to happen. Look, somebody say, because something's going to happen, I keep speaking the word about something's going to happen. I got a feeling that everything, come on here now, is going to be all right. Look, somebody say, something's going to happen. If I keep speaking the Bible over my life, something's going to happen. I've got a feeling that everything's going to be all right. I know that the Bible is right because I believe that something's going to happen. I believe that something's going to happen here at Great Little Zion Baptist Church if I keep speaking the word, if you keep speaking the word, if we keep coming in agreement with one another, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I believe, I declare, and I decree that something's going to happen. Look, somebody say, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen if I keep speaking the word. I keep speaking the word. I keep speaking the truth. The Bible is right. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen on Capitol Hill. Something's going to happen at the White House. Something's going to happen at Judiciary Square. Something's going to happen in the courthouse. Something's going to happen in your house. Something's going to happen in my house. Something's going to happen in the church house. Something's going to happen in the community. Something's going to happen in the schoolhouse. Something's going to happen in the house. Something needs to happen in the house. Somebody give God praise. With courage and boldness, something's going to happen. Even if we keep praying, <laughs> like the Bible says, we need to pray for those in governing authority. Something's going to happen. I believe, I didn't vote for him, but I believe that if I still, I got to honor the word of God, I got to pray for him. But I believe that the people of God pray for our president, something's going to happen. I don't have a witness. How, how, how many of y'all know you need to pray for the president? Even though he may be using profanity, somehow, some way, God will step in the midst of all that mess that's dealing with him, and God will open up his eyes. How many of y'all know that something's going to happen? I believe that something's going to happen. I believe that he'll only be in there four years, amen, and we'll get a new president in four years. Oh, something's going to happen. Y'all don't hear me. I, I, think, I think I pull a cord right there. Look, somebody say, if I keep speaking the word, something's going to happen. So we got to speak the word. We got to speak the word with courage and boldness, amen. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 17 says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. That's what God is saying. Be not dismayed. Uh-oh. Be not dismayed. Be not dismayed at what? Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. Ephesians 6.19 says, And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel. So you got to be bold when you speak the word of God. You got to be bold when you preach the word of God. You got to be bold and straight to the point. I like it when our seniors can be straight and direct to the point. They don't cut no corners. They tell you the truth. My grandfather was like it. He told the truth. He told it just like a T-I-E-S. Huh? How many of y'all know we need to be bold? How many folks in here want to be bold? But you got to be wise with that boldness. You got to be wise. You can't be bold right all the time. You can't be bold because if you're bold with no wisdom, guess what? You're arrogant. In closing, always remain a student of the word. And don't allow the contemporary modern-day philosophy to undermine the immutable word of God. There's some philosophical viewpoints out there that people are connecting with the word of God. But I got news for you. You need to know the word of God for yourself. Look, somebody say, it's time to study the word of God for myself. My prayer is that we have some exegetical Christians in the house and not some eisegetical believers because the eisegetical will get up and they'll talk about what they believe and what they think the Word of God says. But an exegetical believer will stand up and confirm what the Word of God says to refute the error that they're operating in. Look at somebody say, exegetical. I want to be an exegetical believer. I'm so glad that Jesus is our exegetical oh, <laughs> Savior. The Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 4, 
verses 3 through 4. It says, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But Jesus, he answered and said, it is written. How many of y'all know that we got to go back to the word and say, it is written. Can you say, it is written. Do you know what's in the holy writ? <laughs> Do you know what's in the word of God? The Bible said that Jesus said to Satan, because you know, how many of y'all know that Satan knows the word? See, that's one thing you need to be very careful of. You better be very careful when you talk about you're going to give the devil a black eye because the devil will hit back. But you better know the word of God. So when the devil strikes at you, you can speak the word of God and God will strike at him. You can't do it in and of yourself. You have to say in the name of Jesus, Satan, the Lord, oh, rebuke you. I dare to get on your feet right now and say in the name of Jesus, Satan, the Lord, rebuke you. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word uh, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, that we've got to learn how to speak the word of God. Uh, well, what does that say? I beseech you, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, uh, that ye present yourself uh, as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, and be not conformed uh, to this world, uh, but be ye transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind. Uh, well, uh, we to learn how to say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We to learn how to say, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, ye also believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you so. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, hallelujah. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith I'm walking. By faith I'm preaching. By faith faith, I'm teaching. By faith, I'm trusting. By faith, I'm believing. By faith, I'm shouting. By faith, I'm praising. By faith, I'm worshiping God. Somebody give God some praise today. Well, when you talk about speaking the word of God, look, somebody say it's time to speak the word of God. The devil came back at Jesus again. But good God, I'm looking back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. The Bible says, again, the devil takes him up to into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, get thee him. Satan for for it is written there it is again it is written somebody say it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve I dare you right now to get up and give God some praise look at somebody say it's time to praise God it's time to thank God for his word it's time to shout hallelujah somebody give God some glory today well if that's not enough word let's go back to second Timothy Good God Almighty, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Well, the Bible says, but continue you in the things which ye have learned and have been assured of, knowing that whom you have learned them from, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, I like this part. I like this part. I love this part because this means that scripture from the beginning, Genesis to the in Revelation, it says all Scripture. Can y'all say all Scripture? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctoring. Somebody say doctoring. Doctoring for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnishing to all good works. Look somebody and say, I know the Bible is right. 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 I know the Word of God is right. I know that I will trust in God. I know that God's Word never changes. Well, in my closing, before I take my seat, season saints, there's a story about 
a young educated man uh, and an old seasoned saint. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, an old seasoned saint. Uh, I'll say it like that uh, because how many of y'all know that we need some wisdom? Uh, hallelujah. We ought not be afraid of our age. Uh, I'm not worried about my age. Uh, I know I'm only 50 years old, uh, but I've never seen 50 before and I'm glad to make it to 50 because there are a whole lot of black African American males that have not been able to make it to 50. Uh, but between the time they was born uh, until 50, some of them have been in the prisons. Uh, some have been on drugs. I thank God that I never touched drugs. I thank God that I'm still able to praise his name. I thank God that I got four black African-American males that my wife and I are raising in my home, and none of them have been in a jailhouse. The only house they've been in is my house, this house, and the church house. Hey, somebody ought to give God some praise. Hallelujah. But getting back talking about the seasoned saints. There was this young man, brother, who walked up in the church, and he was very educated. Hey, he had education. He dotted every I and crossed every T. And he came in the church, and they had two scriptures. They had one to be read by this young, educated man, but then they had the old seasoned saint that came up to read, but the young man read first. And so the old, the young man came up, and he read the scripture, and he pronounced every word. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Praise the Lord. Amen. And he went and sat down. But then to talk about where the old seasoned saint came up. She took her time getting to the podium. She wanted to make sure she had enough breath to be able to read through the scriptures. Y'all know how it is. Amen. That you spend a lot of energy getting from the chair to the podium. Well, if you're young, you don't know nothing about that. But when you get up in age, you will learn about that. Somebody clap their hands and say glory. But they said the old mother came up to the podium. She began to step at the mic. She began to look at the mic. She looked through the congregation. She had a little doily hat on. Amen. She had a little white stockings on so nobody could see through the stockings. Amen. She had a long, come on here now. She was dressed. Amen. But it says she turned to Psalm 100 and she said we will read Psalm 100. And she said make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Share the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God and it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his praise or into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth Hallelujah. Endure to, to all generations. Let the church say amen. And the people jumped up in the church and start praising the Lord. Well, after the church service, even the young educated man began to give his dignified praise and began to shout hallelujah. But it says that the young man had a conversation with the old seasoned saint. He said, Mother, how is it that I can get up there and dot every I and cross every T and pronounce and announce and to articulate the word of God and be able to confound the people with my ability to be able to communicate, to be able to communicate and say a plethora of awesome words. Hallelujah. How did you do that? mother. Well, the mother sat back and she looked at the young man. She said, you may know how to read the letter. You may know how to dot every I and cross every T, but I have a relationship with the I am with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I have a relationship. I have a relationship with Jesus. In other words, I know the author of the book that you're reading. I know Jesus. And because she had a relationship, she was anointed. That's why the people began praise. Yeah, Lord. And if you got a relationship with the Lord, you ought to give God some praise. If you got a relationship with Jesus, you ought to worship his name. If you got a Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter if your feet are bad. Hallelujah. If you can't get up on your feet, you ought to raise your hands and say hallelujah. If you can't clap your hands, just rock side by side. Just say if it had not been for the Lord by my side, where would I be? Every now and then, you got to give a mm-hmm praise. You got to give a mm-hmm praise. You got to go ooh, praise. When the saints didn't know what to say, they knew God and they just, ooh, Lord, 
I like it when they said, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help that I know. If thou would draw thyself from me, wherewith shall I go? Somebody give God some praise. Shout hallelujah. 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 I've learned not to try. I, you know, I stopped trying to be cute when I give God praise. I like the way my daddy used to say it, Tasha, you got to get ugly for Jesus. We got so many folks that got hair weaves and all this makeup on right now. I day to begin to trust God. He'll keep your weave on and get up and give God a praise. Even got to hold your weave. Come on, just say, I believe I can praise God. Come on, shout hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Don't you let that hair weave stop you from giving God praise. Don't you let them high heels stop you from giving God praise. Come on, kick them heels off and give God some glory. If David can dance out of his clothes, shut up, you can kick them heels off. Come on, shout hallelujah. Look, somebody says, it's time to kick my heels off. I like the way I feel like an old kind of anointing now. I feel like giving an old kind of praise. I remember my dad used to say down there, Mount Calvary, I'm going to a place where every day is Sunday and Sabbath have no end. I'm going to a place where I'm able to walk down Hallelujah Boulevard and give God praise. I'm going to lift my hands up with my head locked in the bow of my shoulder, and I'm going to allow God to be the unseen guest. How many of y'all haven't heard them prayers in a long time? But I sure enough remember those prayers walking. I'm my father sitting there praying with a cup of coffee with a Bible right there at the table reading and putting his hands together. It was just him by himself. I had to step out there and get hooked up with my daddy. My prayer is that I'll be able to hold on to God's unchanging hand. I'll be able to hold on. I don't care how technological this world gets. I'm still going to preach with every fiber that God gives me. I'm still going to hoop and holler and give God praise and slap my feet because we need that old fire and brimstone preaching. Preachers used to preach that Jesus was coming back. They don't preach that no more. They used to preach that Jesus would be back. They used to talk about sin. I remember the church mothers used to tell the women when they come to church, you got a lot of wolf in sheep's clothing out here. The one thing I love what my wife said, I'm closed, I'm through preaching. But the one thing I love what my wife said,